All right. Well, I'm excited to be in God's house. How many of you got some coffee out there and wrote your name on the cup? And uh, the theme tonight is, hello, my name is. So we want to talk about uh, our names. We want to talk about our stories tonight. And uh, my name, of course, is Joey. Um, which you can only imagine growing up in the 80s wasn't a super popular name, believe it or not, you know. Uh, I would go places and it would be like Cindy and uh, uh, Katie and Ashley, and, and I never saw the name Joey. And, uh, you know, to top it off, I wish I had some pictures to show you all tonight. Um, I don't have one childhood picture in my house, and I didn't have time to go to my parents where they lived uh, to get some pictures. But if you could only see me as a child, um, you know, I had a little short haircut. My brother-in-law at the time was a hairdresser. So I was the youngest of three girls, and my sisters were a lot older than me. Uh, they were 14 and 15 years older than, than I was. And so I was the baby of the family. And my oldest sister married a hairdresser, which that was great. He was a great hairdresser. But he always did the most fashionable haircuts. And so uh, how many of you know as a seventh grade or as a seven-year-old little girl named Joey, you don't necessarily want a fashionable haircut? You're not trying to stick out. You're trying to blend in. And so uh, I remember all of the issues that I had with my name growing up. So not only was my name Joey, but my hair was cut really short. And so uh, I was always really insecure about my name. Uh, to top it off, my last name, I am 50% Hungarian. My father is 100% Hungarian. And so my last name is Vitai. V-I-T-A-I. So uh, my name, Joey Vitae. You can only imagine in school, in elementary school, when they would announce everybody's names, how it was just mortifying to me. Like I didn't want to hear my name called. I didn't want, I didn't want them to even try and attempt to say my name. It was like anxiety from the time I was little. In fact, I would even say I hated my name. I hated my name. I would actually, I remember walking through the upstairs of the J.C. Penney's at the Washington Mall. Does anyone remember? Any Washington uh, natives here? I remember walking around upstairs and, and begging my mom to legally change my name. And I was like, why can't you just, even Josie sounds a little more like feminine. Like, why can't you, you know, Ricky, you could probably relate to this. All of Ricky's sisters have boy names for little girls. And, and, and I was just like, why am I tormented with this name? And I think back uh, to those moments. I think back to the pictures with the permed hair, the asymmetrical. I had some really cool haircuts. I had the asymmetrical thing going on for a while. And then when I hit middle school, my brother-in-law thought it would be really cool if he gave me some frosted tips. Did anyone get your hair ever pulled through a cap? It hurts really bad. I would sit there and cry. And, and so, uh, so I remember uh, they all thought that that was wonderful. Well, I went to school and the kids would say, you have gray hair. You have gray hair. And so, so it was just all these things where I remember not having a great experience. It was like, Joey has gray hair, you know, and, and, and all of these things in my mind and how if we're not careful, we can let a narrative come up in our lives uh, that's a negative narrative. I could look back 
back on my childhood and I could think about my name and I could think about my identity and, and I could think about even from an early age, not to over-spiritualize it, but how I started to really hate myself and hate the identity that God had given me. And I want to talk to you tonight about that. I want to talk to you about the narrative in which you see your life the perspective of which you see your life. In fact, tonight's message is less of a sermon that I'm going to preach and more of a heart-to-heart -heart that I want to talk out with you. Now, I was thinking about that, and it made me laugh because when we first started to preach, my husband would preach a sermon, and they would, the crowd would be like, yeah, you really preached the house down. And I would preach once a year at that point, and it was on Mother's Day. And they would come up to me after, and they would say, that was a really good talk. You gave a really good talk. And I'm thinking, why in my head, when I'm up here, I feel like I'm T.D. Jakes. And, and then I'll go back and watch, and, and it's like, hello, welcome to, you know, Champion Christian Center. And, and I was laughing because I was like, you know what, in my head, it's one thing, and so I have to get a little bit more passionate. Even now, I'll watch a reel, and I'll be like, I was much more excited about that than it sounded like I was. So, uh, but tonight is more of like a heart-to-heart discussion with you on looking at our lives through the right narrative because the enemy wants to hold your story. He wants to hold, I want you to think about what your childhood was like. I want you to think about your life up till this point. And I want to remind you that the enemy wants to hold your story hostage. He wants to hold your story in a place where it's all locked up, where there's parts of your story that, that maybe you're not proud of, parts of your story that you hate, parts of yourself that you might hate because of your story, parts of life that maybe have not been kind to you. And I want to talk to you about allowing the Lord to unlock all of that tonight. You might not know this, but there is this thing going around Instagram where people are actually hijacking people's Instagram accounts. Has anybody heard about that? They're taking them and they're hacking in, which I don't know how, who has the time, the energy, or the want to do this. But they're hacking into the Instagram accounts and then they're telling people, if you want your account back, you have to pay me so much money to do this. And, and as crazy as that sounds, I think, I think a lot of times that's how the enemy is with our story. He takes our life and everything that God wants to make beautiful and everything that he wants to unfold in our lives. And the enemy tries to take it and hijack it and say, you can't have this. You're not going to get a return on the pain. You're not going to get a return on this thing. That you're going to live in unforgiveness your whole life. That you're going to look back on certain parts of the narrative. And you're going to choose to look at the rest of your life through a broken lens because you haven't allowed God to redeem the story. And so tonight... I want to remind you that God holds the pen, that the Bible says he is the author and he is the perfecter of your faith. And there is not one sentence that the enemy holds the pen in. There is not one season of your life. There is not one circumstance that is too big for the cross of Jesus Christ. There's not one relationship, there's not one pain, there's not one heartache that God can't and doesn't want to restore. And so tonight I want to share to you a heart-to-heart, -heart, some lessons, some perspective of what maybe I would have told myself and what I continue to tell myself. And I want you to, to think about your life and your story through the lens of some of these things tonight because there's power in perspective. How many of you know perspective can change anything? 
I, I remember not too long ago, I thought it would be really fun to buy a, a, a book that you can ask uh, an older person in your family questions. And I was like, this is going to be so fun. Like, I'm, this is like a moment, right? I'm all about creating moments. And uh, my, my life motto is create the life you love, obviously through Jesus Christ. But, but I'm like, I'm going to create the life I love. I'm going to take this opportunity. This person's getting older. I'm going to ask them some questions. And then for Christmas, I'm going to uh, put it all in book form for our family members. Doesn't that sound fun and nice? Well, it took a really quick downward spiral because the first question that I asked this person, and I'm going in all chipper and cheery and all excited about this, and, and my question was, what, would your, what was your mother like growing up? And I was expecting to hear all of these wonderful stories, and, and, and all of a sudden it got really quiet, and I'm like, oh, geez, what's, you know, and, and they were like, you know, she, was, she wasn't very nice. I didn't have a very good relationship with her. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, well, well, tell me something good. You know, this went on for a little while. I'm trying to, like, mine, like, you know, was she a good cook? Like, anything here, you know? And, and, and they were like, no, like, she was really horrible. And it brings up a lot of pain. Now, this person is in their 80s. And I'm like, oh, man, I did not plan on going down, like, healing streams. I just wanted to ask some nice questions. And it made me realize and I'm thinking, well, I've heard stories about this person from other people in our family. And, like, I've heard really great things that she was generous, that she would actually go to the Goodwill and buy clothes. She would work at Heinz and take all of her money and buy and, and buy clothes to ship back over to Hungary. And, 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 and I was like, there's nothing good you could remember? And, and they were like, no. They said, it's better that we don't ask these questions. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and it made me realize that narrative and perspective matters. And uh, a little while longer, uh, that same person, they asked me a question about my childhood. And I said, well, I said, I could answer one of two ways. I said, I could give you the version that is good, or I can give you the hurt and broken version. I said, which one do you want? And, and it, it was a point that I was trying to make that each and every one of us, has real pain. Each and every one of us has a story, but we have to have the perspective of Jesus Christ. We have to look at our life through the perspective of the cross to walk in true freedom and liberty in our lives. And so I want to read to you a fun little story about perspective, and I've shared this before. But this is the, the cat versus dog war of the diaries. Now, in our house, we just got um, several puppies. Uh, you might say, why? And I don't even know the answer to that. Definitely don't ask my husband. He says, I am a, do a dog lover. He is a dog owner. So um, we lost both of our family dogs within a year. Our oldest was an English bulldog, and he died of natural causes. And our second was a Yorkie, and she got hit by a car unexpectedly and broke my heart. She was my, uh, my little buddy. So anyway, my husband, in trying to console me, said, honey, it's okay. We're going to get double for our trouble. God's going to restore us doubly. And I'm like, well, how does that happen? I was like, are you going to buy me two dogs? And he's like, yes, honey, I'm going to buy you two dogs. And I said, kids, did you hear that? Write it down. 
because I know he's going to try to go back on it. So, um, so anyway, we, we found a French bulldog who is Louie, and then uh, we have a Yorkie coming, uh, and she's not with us yet. And then my son decided to buy another Yorkie in the midst. So we, are, we actually have three dogs, three puppies coming to our house, and it's chaos right now in our house. It is just mayhem. So um, so this, this story is very real to me because we also have an outdoor cat, and uh, the cat and the dogs are not friends right now. But it says, cat versus dog, the war of the diaries. It says, a dog's diary. Now think about perspective. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30, got rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., milk bones, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wag my tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., dinner, my favorite thing. They're always starving by dinner time. 7 p.m., got to play ball, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., wow, watch TV with the people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. That is the life of a dog. A cat has a very different perspective. How many cat owners do we have in here? Okay. Day, day 983 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while the other inmates and I are fed hash or some sort of dry nuggets. Although I make my contempt for the rations pretty clear, I nevertheless must eat something in order to keep up my strength. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. <laughs> so, so we can see that the cat's diary and the dog's diary are very two different views of perspective that we can have on the same situations and circumstances in life. And some of us are going through life with, with the mindset that we just have to struggle and make it through another day. And God's saying, would you please let me take over the narrative of your story so that you can actually enjoy life, that you can actually thrive in life, so that you can allow me to redeem, restore, and revive every part of the story that I want to write in and through you. And so tonight, I want to share these heart-to-heart lessons of, of maybe what I would tell myself, and we're going to be taking a look at the life of Joseph because Joseph is one of my favorite Bible stories. If you don't know the story of Joseph, look up Genesis chapters 37 through 50 later tonight. That's some homework you can have and read about the life and story of Joseph. And so Joseph, we're going to be visiting uh, throughout these four points, but Joseph's life was not perfect. Joseph was raised, he was the 11th of 12 kids, and he was his father's favorite. Not only was his, he his father's favorite, but his dad gave him a coat of many colors to set him apart as the favorite child. Now, if you ask my sisters, they will tell you that I was the favorite child growing up. I was the third of three girls, and I was much later in life. And so I can relate to the story of Joseph here. 
Except Joseph's brothers actually tried to kill him. He, he had a dream, and in the dream, he told them that they were all bowing down to him, and he was a little bit immature in his zeal, and they took him to a field, and they tried to kill him. And so we see here that things didn't always go great for Joseph. Not only did they try to kill him, but he came from a really messed up family. Uh, anyone come from a messed up family? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but I feel like all of us could say, thank God I'm the normal one in my family, right? Thank God you're the normal one in your family. And if you're here with a family member, you're all the normal ones. We can just say that. But Joseph, you know, he, he came from a lineage of liars, of, of those who were trying to cheat each other, of those who were trying to steal. Uh, we see here in his family line, you know, there were multiple wives and concubines all living under the same house. I mean, it was just not your, your great ideal family atmosphere. Yet God chose to use Joseph. And let me just start. I didn't plan on saying this, but it must be of the Holy Spirit that let me just remind you that your family doesn't have to be perfect in order for God to redeem your story. Then in fact, the majority of the Bible stories are from imperfect families. Even Jesus himself, Jesus was perfect, but his family was by no means perfect. He's a, he has a lineage of imperfect people. Even Mary had to go through uh, accusations and Joseph. I mean, it was just nothing about it was ideal. And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, as I look back on my story, there was nothing about my life that was ideal. Join the ranks of people that God is going to use. And so we see here that, that his family was a mess, yet God favored Joseph. And we're going to look at how Joseph went through hardship after hardship, yet allowed God to author his story. Let God restore, let God redeem, let God refine him in the midst of the narrative. So we're going to take a look at that, but I want to share some, some of these personal points with you in my talk tonight. Are you ready for a talk? <laughs> All right. So uh, point number one is this tonight. Point number one, and I want you to repeat after me. Point number one is, you don't have to repeat this yet, is that seasons change. I want you to say this because our theme is my name is. I want you to say my name is. My name is. And I want you to fill in your name after this. This is just a practice round. I will own my season. So I'm going to say my name is Joey and I will own my season. We're going to do this at the beginning of each point. Okay. So ready? One, two, three. My name is. And I'm going to own my season. So point number one is this. If I were to look back on young little Afro uh, asymmetrical Joey, and I would tell her, I would look in her cute little chubby braced face, and I would say, honey, seasons are going to change. Things are not always going to be like this. See, perspective offers you many gifts, and one of those gifts is living long enough to know that this too shall pass. That this too shall pass. That this is just a momentary lapse in the timeline of your life. That things aren't always going to be like this. Just like seasons change, Outside, In fact, the Bible says that in the book of Ecclesiastes that there is a time and a season for everything under heaven. 
In the book of Genesis, it says, as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest, that there will be a changing of seasons in our lives. Ecclesiastes says, life is but a vapor, that we're here one day and we're gone tomorrow. And as depressing as that can sound, let me tell you, it's also reassuring when you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you're in the middle of something, that this too shall pass, that there is a season shift that is going to come and you can't make it happen in your own strength no more than you can will the seasons to change outside some of you are like oh dear lord give me some pumpkin spice like I just want it to happen it doesn't matter if you are the owners of Hobby Lobby you can't will seasons to change keep your Christmas trees away until at least the end of October please there's nothing in the natural that you can do to change seasons Seasons just happen. The question is, is if you're going to resist it or if you're going to own the season that you're in. And, and when you understand that, you take full advantage of that span of time. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you go on vacation, you know that you're going to be there for seven days. Let's say seven days. You don't spend the seven days uh, worrying. You don't spend the seven days looking for a job. You don't spend the seven days uh, trying to, to find, you know, find friends. No, you know you're there for seven days, so you enjoy it for what it is. You're like, I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to enjoy the weather. I'm going to eat out. I'm going to enjoy the benefits of the season. That's what perspective does. It allows you to enjoy the benefits of the season. See, we don't know when the season's going to change. In fact, you know, I was thinking about this. My mother died uh, when I was 27, and she was only 64. And so she died unexpectedly. And I was thinking about the seasons of life that we don't know aren't just going to be the same. That there, were, there was 27 years of my life that everything was just the same. Everything was, was consistent. Everything was as, you know, normal. Sundays we would go over there for food. It was just the same old, same old. And the problem was I got, I got too comfortable with the consistency. I even started to complain a little bit about the consistency of it. You know, I, I, did, I took for granted that my mother was just always going to be a part of my life. And I look back and think, if I could, if I could value that for a season, how would, it, how would it cause me to live differently and enjoy that season a little bit more? See, we don't know when a season's coming to an end. You don't know when the last conversation, not to be doom and gloom, but, but to bring perspective. You don't know when that last phone call is. You don't know the last time you're going to see somebody. And, and it's not to live in fear, but it's to embrace the now and own the season that you're in. To start looking at even relationships that are a thorn in your flesh and say, I'm choosing to mine the good out of this season. I'm choosing to mine the good out of this relationship. Mamas, there is going to be a day, and you don't know the day. It's the last time you were going to have to change that diaper. And some of you will say, hallelujah. I don't have to do that anymore. It'll be the last time you have to watch Coco Melon on the TV. It'll be the last sleepless night that you have. There were seasons in my life that I thought I was never going to sleep again, like ever. In fact, I would look at that old English bulldog, and I would get so jealous because he was just there sleeping all day. I'm, I'm, you're laughing. I'm being serious. I was jealous. I was like, I wish I was a dog right now. 
so I could just sleep. And everyone would leave me alone all day. In fact, I was even like, Lord, could this be like Peter Pan where I could change this bulldog into a nanny to at least go fetch a diaper or something for me during the day? And so that was the season that I was in. But let me speak some perspective. Seasons change. Kids grow up. All of a sudden, they don't want to sit on your lap. They're not all up in your business anymore trying to eat your food. They're not trying to get in bed in between you and your husband. I mean, sometimes our teenagers still jump in and, and want to talk at 11 o'clock at night. But there's a natural progression of life. And, and I want to encourage you ladies tonight, and I want to speak as a mentor into your life as we're talking about circle of friends, to have fresh perspective that seasons change. Seasons change. It matters. Joseph he went through seasons. All of a sudden, in one day, he was thrown into a pit. Everything that he knew was taken from him in one day. Talk about trauma. Stripped from him. Things were one way, and now they're another in one day. And then he went through a season where he was beaten, a season where he was sold into slavery, a season where he was lied about, thrown into prison. He went through these different seasons, but he always owned the season. He always said, you know what, this is going to pass. God's going to bring me through this. If you have a stuck perspective, you're going to get all lost in your season. You're going to put a period where God said, I'm trying to put a comma. I'm trying to get you through this. And you're choosing to stay in it. You're choosing to stay in it. And all the while, you're miserable. There's no fruit from your life because you're just all stuck in the now. You're stuck in complaining about your relationship. You're stuck complaining about your family member. You're stuck complaining about your job. Own your season. Say, God, I give this season to you. Whatever this season is about, I submit it to your feet, and I'm going to own this season. I'm not going to be miserable in it. I'm going to thank you for it. I'm not going to wish it away. I'm going to actually uh, pray that you bless the season that I'm currently in. And when we look at it with that perspective, it makes everything different. It makes everything new in our life. Don't make, don't make permanent mindsets out of temporary seasons. Don't make permanent mindsets out of temporary seasons. Like, oh, my life is over. I'm just stuck at home with these kids. It's going to pass, mama. You're going to have a day where you can actually go out into the world again. You're going to have moments that, that things are going to change, and it's going to be good. And, you know, I think about how the enemy loves to hold us hostage in those seasons. He likes to make us feel like our best was behind us or, or we're never going to have what's in the future. And I want to remind you that God said his plans for you are good. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, that he wants to prosper you. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. And so when we understand that, we say, you know what? I am going to be a woman who owns my season. That, that if I were to look at that little girl, Joey, I would say, Joey, you own your season. You own your season. You be at home. You be the youngest child. In the moments that you feel like you're lonely and you don't have anyone to play with and you feel like your parents are always at work, I would say God's doing something in you. He's, he's, he's forming you for his purposes. He, he's, he's a very intentional God. Your season right now is intentional, whether you like it or not. Not that God brings pain. But when you allow him, he'll even steward it. And we're going to talk about that for your good. 
And so when you understand that, you know what, God, all these times I thought you were messing up in my season and you were actually using this thing in my season to create and forge in me who you wanted me to be. And so there's something beautiful about each season. Say, say, I will own my season. Well, point number two is this. If I were to look back at little Joey, I would say this to myself. I would say, bloom where you are planted. Bloom where you are planted. So we're going to do our little confession, okay? Hello, my name is. Say your name. And I will bloom where I am planted. Psalm 1 says, those who meditate on the law of the Lord will be like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in every season. You're going to be a fruit bearer when you have proper perspective. I'm going to piggyback on point number one here, and I'm going to say, you need to bloom where you're planted. When you have right perspective, you start to love now. Don't despise the now. You realize that, you know what, joy is now. Joy is today. Joy isn't in my last season that I was in. Listen, in the Miller household, ladies, I can keep it real with you all. We've been going through a lot of change. Like, hold on to your socks, change. We had our older son graduate uh, and get, or yeah, a couple years ago, he got married this past year. We had uh, our second son graduate, and he's in college right now. We have one 11th grader who's driving. We have two middle schoolers. Um, my dad moved in with us for a short season while he was ill. How many of you would say that's a lot of change in one little segment of time? And, and you know, change is natural. Change is consistent in our lives. And if we're waiting for our circumstances or our season to change before we embrace joy or the calling or the purpose of God, we're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And all the while, you're going to be like, you know what, God, I'm waiting for my life to begin. I'm waiting for you to do this great thing that you promised me that you're going to do. And God's saying, destiny and your, uh, your purpose isn't a line that you cross. It's not a finish line. It's a journey. As cliche as that sounds, there's joy in the journey, ladies. There's forging in the journey. But you have to bloom where you're planted. You have to decide that, you know what, today, God, you have things for me to do. Today. I don't have to wait for, wait for what's next. I don't have to wait for a husband. I don't have to wait for uh, a degree. I don't have to wait for that job. I don't have to wait for that friend. I don't have to wait for my kids to grow up. I can have joy in today. I remember different seasons of my life, and there were seasons where I was, I was failing at this point miserably. I felt like there was tension in between where I was and where God had called me to be. Are you all with me tonight? Am I the only one? No. <laughs> there was this tension, and I was like, God, I, I know what you've put into my heart. I know the purpose that you've put into my heart, and for each and every one of us, that's different. And I know what it looks like, but I also know the reality of where I'm at right now. And it seems like there's a disconnect between the two. And for a season, I would find myself becoming miserable in the now. I, I can remember different seasons of that, that part of my life and, and feeling like, God, you've forgotten about me. 
Like, like I, I just feel like this is very off because I feel like a racehorse behind a gate to fulfill my destiny, but I'm being held back. And, and, and God did a work in my heart, and he, he really said, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Is it this beautiful family that I've given you? Is that what's holding you back and feeling the correction from the Lord? That, that while I'm, I'm waiting on what's next, not that I didn't love my family, but I was despising the season I was in, waiting for the next season. And God said, you start, you start blooming where you're planted now. You know, the Bible says that God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him in Philippians. God wouldn't give you a desire with not also giving you the power to see it come to pass. But sometimes it starts in seed form. And we want it to be on full display. And God's saying, you know what? It's not the season for that. You need to start, you need to start planting some seed where you're at. And so instead of being miserable in that season, I was like, okay, God, I, 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 could, do, I could work with what I have. And, and so I went to our neighborhood and I started a Bible study. I was knocking on doors and I was inviting ladies into our home. And that season was one of the monumental seasons, marking seasons for me in starting women's ministry. I remember in that season when I was sitting in my home having Bible study, the Lord birthing to me a vision of what even Chick Church Night would look like one day. It was in the process where God was saying, I'm not going to take you from point A to point C. There's a little bit of journey in the B that you have to decide that you're going to bloom where you're planted because it's not wasted. God doesn't waste seasons. He doesn't waste anything. Even if you are in a painful season, God didn't, God didn't ordain your pain, but he will use it if you give it to him. He doesn't waste anything. The Bible says he keeps track of every tear that you cry, that he has every hair on your head numbered. He is a very intentional God. And so when we submit it to him and say, God, I don't know what's going on in this season, but I'm going to take full advantage of it. I am going to bloom right where you have me. Whatever season that I'm in, I'm not going to let the enemy rob me and tell me that one day I can do this or my best days are in the past. Isn't the enemy really good at that? He puts us on a false timeline with a false expiration date. And it says, you know what, if you don't do this this year, it's not going to happen. If you don't find your husband this year, it's not going to happen. And, and all the while, God is saying, no, sweetheart, you keep growing. You keep becoming who I have called you to become. You keep working your gift. Even if it's serving in the nursery, whatever you're doing, you keep blooming in the season that you're in. And I am going to cause every dream, every desire to come to pass in your life. That's what I would go back and tell myself. Stop, stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it and just start enjoying the season. Just embrace the season. Just bloom and enjoy where you're at right now. God is in control. Amen? He's not behind. He's not ahead. He's right in the now. Embrace today. Joy is in today. Think about all the opportunities Joseph had to forfeit his season you know, he was, he was in that pit. He could have had a bad attitude. He was in that prison. He could have been like, forget you all. But he kept using his gift. He kept being faithful in every season. And eventually, it took him from the pit clear to the palace. And that's what God will do in our lives when we surrender it to him. Point number three is this. You are enough. All right, are you ready for your declaration? 
I am. Say your name. <laughs> We're going to get this, ladies. And I am enough. And I am enough. If I could go back and tell myself with fresh perspective, I would tell the younger version of Joey, I would say, sweetheart, you are enough. With your curly, permed hair, your frosted tips, you are enough. I would look at the teenage version of Joey and I would say, sweetheart, you're going to find Jesus and he is going to completely transform your life. I, I would go back and I would tell young mother Joey, uh, you're enough. You're enough. You, your kids are going to turn out okay. I mean, so far, so good, right? Uh, it, it's okay. It's okay if they watched an hour and a half of TV today. Like, it's going to be okay. You're enough. It's okay if they got into those non-organic GMO Doritos. It's okay. It's okay. You are enough. It's okay if you're not a size zero after you had five babies. You are enough. It's okay that you haven't showered in two weeks. Maybe not. Maybe that's not okay. It's been a while since I've been in that season. We'll say, it's okay even showered in five days. You are enough. You know, the enemy loves to skew our perspective and make us feel like we're drowning in a pit that we were never meant to swim in in the first place. He makes us feel like we're never going to get out, that we're going to fail miserably. And when you have perspective enough to be out on the other side of it just long enough, you can look back and you can say, you know what? Everything that you need, you are fully equipped for. Every purpose, that you are the wife that your husband needs. He just might not know it yet. <laughs> you are the perfect mother for those children. You just might not realize it yet. You are the best business and entrepreneur person for that job. The world just doesn't see it yet. And when you understand that you're enough, you start, to, you start to realize that and you stop trying to get your justification and your validation from everything and everyone else. That you stop running this invisible race that, that you were never meant to run and you start to bask in who God created you to be. The Bible said just stop comparing yourself to others and just start being who I created you to be. Ephesians 2.10 through 12, it talks about that you're God's masterpiece created for good works that he set aside for you to do. That means that you were specifically created and he matched a specific purpose for that creation. And just because you don't think that you're good enough, you're taking yourself out of the race. You're hitting a big old pause button. Say, I, I can't, I'm not good enough. And the enemy's like, yes, I'm holding you hostage. I'm holding this part of your story hostage. I'm taking the pen and I'm writing the narrative. Some of you need to get bold enough to take the pen back and realize that through Jesus Christ, I'm the one who writes my story. If I say that he's validated me, then that's enough. If I say that I am loved by God, then that is enough. And whenever you get bold enough to take that pen back and stop letting the enemy write your story, the enemy loves to get all up in our heads. We need to get out of our heads. Stop making it about you. 
and say, God, this is your plan. I am just a vessel. I am the creation. You are the creator and have your way in me. You know, we get really caught up in being the most modest, selfish people that we could possibly be. Being so humble. Oh, God, you could never use me. I'm just a lowly servant girl. I can't even speak, Moses said. And, and Moses, you know, was giving God this spiel about how he, in Exodus, he couldn't do it. He was saying, God, I, you know, I can't. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And finally, God got so fed up, he, he just re reprimanded him. And he said, who created you, Moses? And, and, you know, I think about our lives and, and God is so long suffering, but there's a point where he's like, girl, who created you? Who created you? Who gave you that family? Who gave you that job? Who gave you that body? I said, you're enough. And, and you know, so many times in my life, I wish I could go back and just shake the version of me that doubted me. That doubted me. Even now, sometimes I have to get out of my head. Like, this isn't about you, Joey. It doesn't matter if your sermon makes sense. It doesn't matter if you were just giving a talk or if you were preaching your heart out like T.D. Jakes. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about you being obedient to me and my plan for your life. And if you want God to redeem your story, if you want him to write your story, you better get on board with it. Stop working against yourself. Stop, stop downplaying the main character of the story. You're the main character. You know, I, I think about this a lot because I used to, I've been reading a lot lately. Uh, I graduated my master's program, Praise Jesus, and now I can actually read books that I want to read. And so I've been reading a lot, and it, it made me think back to my childhood, and I was thinking about all those days that I would just spend reading. Not that you would feel bad for me, but I, my, I had a good life compared to a lot of people, but I would spend all day by myself, and so I would just be in my room, and I would just get these books and just read and read and read and read, and now I wish someone would lock me in a room and tell me to read and read and read, um, but you know, there were these books, and you could, you could choose which path. Does anyone remember these books that the main, main character could take? Yes. Now, you know what? Side spiel. Now they're all like comic books. Like when I go to buy a book for my child, I'm like, give me real literature. This is like comic book. They're not... Anyway, side note. But, but so, you know, you, you would get to like chapter three and it would be like, if you want the main character to go to a camp, turn to page 50. If you want them to go to the beach, turn to page 70. And so you could author, you could kind of choose which path the main character went. And I think about that uh, in our own lives because we choose whose voice we're going to get on board with. We're either going to say, you know what, God, you have the pen, and I'm on board with you, and you're taking me to chapters that I never thought I could go to. You're writing a story that I never thought could end like that. But I, I am believing that I am enough, and you have, you have brought me to this point, and you're going to bring me through it. Or we can say, you know what, I'm going to get on board with the enemy's plan, which says that, you know what, my story's over. My life is too messed up. I, I got divorced. It's over. You know, uh, my kids are, aren't serving the Lord. It's over. And so, so the second that you start to, to renew your mind with what God says and what you can have, you start walking in a new freedom. You say, this is my story, and nobody has the authority but Jesus Christ to hold the pen. And so that fresh perspective, you know, back to Joseph's life, I think about all the times he could have thought that God had forgotten about him, that he had given up on him. Can you imagine 
thinking God wanted to use you, and then bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happened. Some of you were like, yeah, yeah, I can very much think that. He could have, he could have very well said, you know what, I'm tired of doing what's right. I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm just going to, you know what, you know what, Potiphar's wife, she looks pretty good right now, and I'm, I'm really going to get in trouble anyway. I could have, he could have done his own thing, but he stayed committed to God. In every season, it said, and God was with Joseph, and God was with Joseph. Joseph was, was favored by God. And when you understand that you are enough, God is with you. You are favored by God, and nobody they might try to take that coat. They might try to throw you in a pit. They might try to put you in prison. But the plan of God will continue to advance and your story will continue to be good. Amen? All right, last point tonight. Point number four. Are you all still with me tonight? All right. We're going to get this right with this declaration. Point number three is that God uses it all. And I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, my name is... And I'm a, victor, I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm a victor, not a victim. God uses it all. You know, I think back to the different parts of my story and the different perspectives that I've had in my life. And so many times I have had like that cat perspective, like woe is me, life is bad, uh, you know, uh, all of these things. And, and as, as you grow up, you start to look at life a little bit differently and you start to say, you know what, I do serve an intentional God. And I do see that even the seasons of my life or the parts of my story that I wish he would have written differently, he was actually using it for my good. That, that there were times in my life that, that I could go down a road of what if, or they should have been, or God, why did you? I mean, I thought God really, really messed up when it came to my family. No one else, okay. I was like, God, you messed this up um, big time. Uh, you know, if only I were in a different family. If I remember almost being embarrassed as a child of my family. Um, I remember being at school and Everyone else's moms would come in to read to them, and I didn't have a mom to come in and read, not because she was absent, but because she was working. But in my little mind, I was embarrassed of that. If only my mom didn't have to work. If only my mom could stay home and make school lunch. If only my dad could come to the basketball games with a suit and tie on instead of grease under his hand. If only my dad uh, could show up to pick me up at the movie theater in a nice car instead of the noisy one coming. Anyone had that experience? Like, like, can you park down there, please? And I will walk to the movie theater. Um, and, 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 you know, all of these narratives that go on in your head that you think, if only God. And, 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 and even in, in my little uh, brain as a child, I was making excuses of why I should be the victim in the story. Uh, poor Joey, you know, her parents didn't really care. They were working all the time. So why not be a teenager and rule your own life? Why not? Why not? You know, uh, and, and if we're not careful, we can really be good at allowing the narrative to give us ample excuses to live in a path that God didn't mean for us to live in. Excuse after excuse. If you want an excuse to be a victim, life will serve you up excuses all day long. All day long. While you're the victim. Why you should act like this. You know, why, why you can't have victory. Because if only life were different. If only you would have married a different man. If only you would have had kids that didn't have this ailment, you wouldn't be stuck. 
If only you had healthy parents, you wouldn't have to be taking care of them. If only, if only, and at some time you have to say, stop the narrative, pause. I'm getting out of the pit. I'm coming out of the prison. I'm not, I'm not the victim of my story. I'm going to have victory in my story. And when that shift happens, you start to see God create beauty for ashes. You start to see his redemption story on play in your life. You start to look at things a little bit differently. You know, the enemy is really good at making you feel like everything is bad. Everything is bad. Some of you look back at your childhood and you think everything was bad. You're like that person that I was interviewing. Like, it's all bad. I don't even want to go there. But whenever you say, God, I'm a child of God, and even seasons that were painful, and I know some of us have gone through really painful situations. Maybe you're watching online and you've gone through a really painful situation. I'm not saying that it didn't hurt. What I'm saying is that you have the power to be healed. I've heard it said like this, the pain not, might not be your fault, but the responsibility of the healing lies with you. To let go, to forgive. You know, if, if we hold on to that season, if we hold on to that narrative, if we're the victim, then that means that, that there is somebody else who has power over us. And I choose to live my life that Jesus Christ is the only one that has power over me. That he has power over my story. Yeah, I think about Joseph in Genesis 50, one of my all-time favorite parts of the Bible is where Joseph is confronted by his brothers. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had with my father not too long ago. We were sitting down over lunch because my father's getting older. So one of my, my intentional actions in, in different seasons of my life is to spend time with my dad because I, I didn't spend as much time with my mother as I wish I would have had. And so instead of letting that torment me, I now spend intentional time with my dad. And so um, we were having a conversation, and, and he was like, I'm sorry. We were just talking about life came up. He said, I'm sorry, you know, that, that you were left alone a lot as a child. I wasn't complaining. It just came up. And um, I said, no, no, don't be sorry. I said, please don't be sorry. I said, it actually forged me into the person that God wanted me to be today that I can look back now and see traces of God that I thought were mistakes, that were actually beautifully part of his plan when I submitted him, them to him, that he actually made me an independent person, that he actually became my all in all, that he was there when I was alone, that, that he was my go-to and my standby. And so, so you know, you look back and, and you think of all the things in life and you, you say, you know what, I wish they could have been a certain way. And all the while, God is using them to create in you the person that he is calling you to be, to take the ground, to fulfill the plan and the purpose uh, that he has for your life. And that's what we see with Joseph. His brothers were like, oh, you're going to kill us now because dad's dead. And you have an opportunity to say that you forgave us. But now that he's gone, you're actually going to kill us. And Joseph, I love in Genesis 50 because he's like, no. He said, please don't say that. Because what, the, what God, what the enemy wanted to use to harm me, God actually used to push me into the plan that he had for my life. And, and isn't that the story of redemption? That where the enemy wants to come, Romans 8.28, there, there, there is nothing 
that can take you out of a place of victory. That God takes everything and uses it and turns it around for your good. That you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. That means there is no part of your story. There is no perpetrator, no family member, no abuser, no spouse, no child that can come in and separate you from the healing power of Jesus Christ. But you have to let go. You have to say, God, I surrender this. And I don't know why. I know you didn't ordain bad things. I know you didn't ordain this season, but I'm going to have Jesus Christ's perspective to say, you're going to take it, you're going to turn it, and you're going to use it for my good. That you're going to use it. When I let go and I choose to forgive, some of us have every reason in the world to not forgive. If you are making a list, but at some point you have to decide to let go. You have to say, I would rather be whole and healed than to be the victim my whole life and my whole story. Because you'll stay stuck. You'll stay stuck. You know, I, I would tell uh, Joey, I would say, look, you need to let go with some things. And you need to see the good in some things. And that's what I started to do. As you start to get older, you start to value life. You start to see your parents a little bit different. Young people, if you're in here, you're going to see your parents a little bit different as you get older. You realize, wow, like my mom, I thought she was just tired all the time. But you know why? Because she got up at 6 a.m. and she worked in a factory all day till 3 p.m. And she cleaned the house and she tried her best. And she might not have felt like reading you a story or playing dolls with you, but she was working her butt off to make sure that you had everything that you wanted or needed. You know, you might, you might have wanted a dad that worked uh, a 9-to-5 uh, job in a suit and tie, but your dad... I came home with the smell of grease on his hands, and that is a smell that you will remember for the rest of your life because your dad loved you and he worked hard for you. And, and you can change the narrative and the perspective changes as you get older. And instead of saying, I'm going to be captive to, uh, I, you know, I never had this or, or this person did this to me, and if only, and if only, you know what you say, you know what, there was good in that season. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even if it was something horrible that was done to you, you can say, you know what, God, I could see your redemption in this. I got to know you as healer. I don't thank you for the trial. I don't thank you for the pain, but I thank you that you are good in the midst of it. And, and you know, I could look back on my childhood and I could say, you know what? My mom, she was a hard worker. My mom loved me unconditionally. I choose to remember the good things. We laugh with our kids all the time. Because we'll be sitting around talking about fun memories. And our kids have the, the tendency to bring up like the one mistake that you made, right? Or the one time that you got angry. Or, or the one time that you said something you wish you wouldn't have said. You know, you're talking about all the God moments. And think about praying in the family room. And they're, they're like, do you remember when you yelled at that lady at the grocery store? You know, <laughs> they always remember. But, but we laugh about it. But that's our human tendency is to bring up and remember the bad. And some of us need to get a little bit of Holy Spirit in our mind uh, to give us some spiritual amnesia over some things that we actually start to see the good. That we say, you know what? My mom, she would come in and she would spend a couple minutes with me at night. And she would, she would rub my head and, and tell me how perfect my eyebrows were. And those are the moments that I remember. I choose to remember the good. And those are the things that transfer the unconditional love, the moments where she might not have been at school, but if she heard something happened at school, I was like, please don't go to school, mom, because I don't want mama bear to come out. And, and so, you know, you choose to focus on the good things, the God things. God is in that space. God is not when you focus on the bad things and you are the victim and you're in pain. And, and the enemy, that's his stomping ground. That's his playground. 
God wants to redeem even the bad in your life. He wants to give you Holy Spirit amnesia. Even some of you today, I'm believing that over your lives, over your children. You know, every, everything that I wish was different, instead of holding that against my mother and staying in a place where I, I'm a victim my whole life, I, you know what I started to do? I started to implement changes that I wanted for my kids. Instead of being mad or saying, woe is me, no one ever played with me as a child, I was left alone all the time, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm annoying myself even saying that right now. Instead of saying that, you know, I say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional with my kids. I'm going to let it compel me to be the mother that I wish I could have had. And not in a way that I'm resentful, but I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to allow that to compel me to change things. I'm going to bake with my kids. I'm going to teach my kids to bake. I'm going to do all these things that maybe I wouldn't even naturally want to do, but it comes from a deep place of wanting to be that for them. And so truly, it's made me a better version of myself. And whenever we, we resign our stories to Jesus Christ, he makes us the best version of us. He says, you know what, every desire that you had that is, is concealed in pain and lack, he said, if you'll give it to me, I'll actually pull it forth to fulfill it in you, that it'll be a desire now that you're actually seeing change generations, that your kids are going to have things that you never had. And, and that's what I'm believing. Even talking tonight, I'm believing some of your stories, the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to do a work, and even your kids, even if they've been through trauma, even if they've been, heard you and your husband in a season where you were fighting, 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 and you're thinking, I'm a horrible mom. Uh, no, one moment with the Lord, one moment with the Lord, and they don't remember anything but good. When I look back on my life, I don't think about any of the bad stuff. I think about what a great good life I had because of the good and great God that I serve, the intentional God that used everything to create in me who I am today. It's about redeeming and restoring our story. Amen? Stand to your feet with me in this place tonight. If you're watching online, Pray that the Lord would begin to do a work in you to build faith that God can redeem and restore your story tonight. That there is nothing that is too great for the cross. There is nothing too great that Jesus Christ didn't die for to redeem. But we have to surrender it over to him. And so tonight, as we're in this place, thanks for allowing me to share a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Thanks for allowing me to share parts of my life with you, hoping that fresh perspective will breathe over you in this season. And that's what it is. It is a season, ladies. This too shall pass. Here for a moment and then gone. How are you going to steward your season? How are you going to write your story? Are you going to buy into the lie that, that nothing's good and, and, and your story is over? Are you going to say no in Jesus' name? I'm the main character of my life. Through Jesus Christ, I walk in victory. He's a redeemer. He is a restorer. And my story is going to end up good. My story is going to end up in restoration. You know, I love how Joseph's story ends. Joseph's story ends with his father blessing his kids. His father who he thought he had lost forever. His father who he thought was dead who, who he was separated from, who he'd never see again, that his kids were now receiving a blessing that he never thought possible. And I love Joseph's kids. He named them Manasseh and Ephraim. 
And it actually, those, those words actually mean to forget and to be fruitful. To forget and to be fruitful. And when we, when we submit our story to God, when we say, God, I'm letting you define my life. I'm letting you define who I am. I'm not going to let my circumstances, I'm not going to let life or seasons define me. When we do that, he says, you know what, I'm going to make it so fruitful and I'm going to make you forget everything that's bad. I'm going to make you forget. Not that you don't remember it, like it never happened, like naive, like la, 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 life is just good. No, there's not going to be a sting to it anymore.